Thank you for listening to the Movement Group podcast from Movement Church in Hilliard, Ohio. This podcast is intended to help encourage you as a group leader by hearing from other leaders who are right in the trenches with you. Each month, we will hear about the wins, struggles, and tensions each leader goes through while focusing on one leadership principle that leaders can grow in and apply. If you have any follow-up questions about what you hear today, email us at info at movementcolumbus.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Movement Group Podcast. This is Josh and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, I'm excited about what's going to happen this year and it's just been a, it's been a great time. We had a great Christmas break. We actually took last month off just because of busyness and getting ready for Christmas and the New Year's and I was out of town in Indy and it's just been it's been a great time and and I'm happy to be back here um, doing this podcast and uh, and again, we just want to go over the vision this podcast is is for you guys, is for you as group leaders, whether you're at Movement Church or at another church. And we just want to encourage you and bring along different guests who are group leaders themselves, just to talk about the ups and downs of group leading and you know what the what the wins are, what the struggles are. And and each week is or each month is a different topic. And uh, so last month or in November, we were focusing on discipleship and and so this month we're gonna be talking about evangelism. We gave every group leader in our church a, a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism, and it's a great, great book. And it just talks about, it builds on the idea of discipleship and then how the importance of discipleship then leads to evangelism and how they work together and why they're basically two in one and, and one in the same. And and so um, so with me today, I have Joel Trainer. He's our special guest for the day. How are you doing? I am excellent. I am fired up to be here. And thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're here eight o'clock in the morning on a Friday and we're just ready to go. And so Joel is our resident church planner. And what that means is that he's with us for a year full time. And and then he'll be sent in September of this year, 2017, to plant Three Creeks Church in Gehanna. And I'm pretty pumped about that. And obviously I know that you are too. Yes. So what's what's the most exciting thing you're looking forward to? As am I. Oh man, uh, the most excited thing I'm looking for, looking forward to, is that I am taking with me some of the greatest people in the world, mm. and it's people that are missional and people that are fired up to reach people in Gehenna who don't know Jesus. That's awesome, and that is what excites me the most. It's what got me up this morning, man. That's and that's awesome. Here we are. So yeah, Joel is a is a great communicator. Um, he loves to hunt. Um, and you know, he's just been awesome. You're a great, great question. You person that likes to ask a lot of cool questions, you know, <laughs> Mark and I joke about that in the office. He just comes in and you're like, you know, so, uh, well, who would be the three people that you would take to war with you? I mean, it's like, wow, that's a great question well, to start you know, the day with, you know, on that, Josh, let me just ask this question. Whenever it says that there's an 80% chance of rain, there's four different options. And I don't know what to really believe, Josh. Is it option A, there's an 80% chance that it will rain at all? Mm-hmm. Two, it will rain on 80% of the land. Number three, <laughs> it will what? rain 80% of the time. Or four, which I'm not sure how likely this is, that it will rain at a velocity of about 80%. Like it's an 80%. It's not a You just full made th- that up. No, I'm serious. There, There's four <laughs> options. And I genuinely don't know. Which one it what is. What was the first option? So we should pray about that. Uh, there's an 80% chance that it will rain at all. Yeah, that's my guess. 
And actually, if you talk to a meteorologist, I think he will disagree. Really? I really but think I'm not it's, one of those. I so really I think it's either going to be 50% it's going to rain or it's not going to rain, you know? So the other percentages don't matter? Yeah. It's either going <laughs> to rain or it's not going to rain. I agree with that. That's so, a much better approach. Yeah. Anyway, um, I like to ask every uh, every uh, group leader who comes here. It's, it's part of the questions that we ask in hot seat. Uh, but, you know, if you really had, if it really came down to it, would you rather have no elbows or no knees? And why? If it came down to it, I would have no knees because one of my top three spiritual gifts is power walking. And I don't need to use really? my knees to bend in that particular sport. Yeah, that's so. That's important. So, and that's an Olympic sport, Josh. You should power know walking. It is. Are you gonna try out this next this next Olympic? Maybe I will. If this podcast doesn't work out, that's what I'll go for. Everyone who's listening, you be be looking out for Joel Trainer, <laughs> USA Team USA. <laughs> so, just tell us uh, tell us a crazy story uh, about you that we might not oh, know gosh. about. Tell us a crazy... Or just something interesting about you that we don't know about. Well, how about this? You mentioned that I like to go hunting. And as we were mic checking this morning, I started to make the sound of a hoot owl. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. And one of the things that I've learned how to do... So if you go out turkey hunting in the spring and you make any... Not any noise, but a lot of different noises can spark the gobble of a turkey. Mm -hmm. And one of those sounds is a hoot owl. And I can do a pretty good hoot owl. I'd like to let's let's do it. We I'd like to show it to you, Josh. I mean, this will sound very very. <clears throat> Don't be alarmed, everybody. Oh, 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 oh. Well, thank you everybody for listening. That's it for the day. I uh, hope you guys <laughs> That's feel all you encouraged. Needed. You know, that, I'm I'm ready to go. That's awesome. Oh man, so that's something I can't do, and I'm not going to try. But anyway, um, why are you a, a movement group leader? changing gears here a little the, bit. I am a movement group leader because you asked me to be one. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I love to have 14 groups. That's yeah. Why. We needed that I, 14. That might even be the highlight of my week is getting to be a movement group leader. And uh, as every leader of anything knows, they probably learn more than the people that they're leading. Mm. So I just have a, an, just the most special seat in the room that I get to learn from the people that are there. So I love it. I love to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples and a movement group. Our movement group is a way that I get to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. So how's your group been going? You're, you're six months in, you know, what have been some wins? What have been some struggles or things you didn't expect? Man, uh, some wins has been that we've had a couple people in our group invite non-believers to our group that's awesome and have had uh just really cool discussions with them I, one particular uh couple in our group invited their neighbors over one time and it was we had a discussion and it got intense it got deep and it got it got on topics that non-christians would typically be offended by mm. and it went well and they've continued a relationship with them and that has been a huge win. Um, a struggle for us, man, life is crazy. Yeah. Life is busy and it's busy for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I th I think maybe we had everybody at our group once, maybe, mm. you know? And so... Well, you had a large group. Yeah, but it's just, it makes me think about, um, man, even I missed. 
one time. Mm-hmm. Life is busy and it's it can be a little disappointing and discouraging, but it's all good. I think it's maybe a reality of the lives we live here in America, yeah. but so but I've also been really impressed with the level of commitment. I, we've had people drive hours back from vacation just to be a group. That's so that's awesome. been really cool too. And and just for the listeners out there, we, you know, we just multiplied your group. Um you guys were having like 20 plus in your group and not so much a small group anymore, but that was just a really cool thing. And now you have two groups and your your apprentice became the leader of another group and now they now they have an apprentice and you have a new apprentice and mm-hmm. that's just a really cool thing. And you your groups are still what, like ten people at least? Yeah. In your group? I mean, we were just kind of stacked with leaders from day one and that's awesome. we were stacked with inviters. So I would show up and the group would have more people. It had nothing to do with me. And we got to the point where we said, man, we have to multiply so that uh, our apprentice can be a leader, so they can have an apprentice, so we can have another apprentice. And quite honestly, even our apprentices right now could lead another Ready group to tomorrow. Yeah. So we're just we're just stacked with healthy people and that were just given to us. So. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, we're going to transition into this month's topic in evangelism. And like I said, we... We gave every one of our group leaders a master plan of evangelism by Dr. Robert E. Coleman. And and if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to read it. Um, the abridged version is only like 120 pages, and it's just it's a small book, so the pages aren't large for those who don't really like to read. It's just a great perspective on evangelism and discipleship. And and so this month's topic, this title, um, going along with that book review, because we're going to you know talk about. Um, that book, uh, but just the idea that evangelism is not an optional accessory to our life. Evangelism is not an optional accessory to our life. Mm. And, and, and I love the series that we're in um, to start this year at Movement Church, and it's, it's called Mission 17. And, and, and I love that we get to talk about evangelism along with the series, because the series is really focusing um, on what the mission uh, that God is calling us to in 2017, and and it's geared to just help align our hearts with that, and and I think so many times as Christians we can overcomplicate our mission and our calling, mm-hmm. and when it's laid so simply out for us in Scripture, you know, with mm. the Great Commission, and it has everything to do with evangelism and sharing our faith and how everything else falls into place mm. after that. But I think when we talk about evangelism. Um, immediately people get anxiety immediately or people get uncomfortable or nervous or they feel like they, they can't do it. And I think there's always these lies or struggles that we all face. Even the more seasoned people in ministry who are experienced, you know, even the people who share their faith often still deal with some of these things. Um, and, you know, I think some of these lies are, you know, I'm not qualified to share my faith. I didn't go hmm. to school for Bible or theology hmm. or I just don't want to stand out you know, and look weird, or I don't want to force anything on anybody. You know, we live in such a politically correct world now that like, even if you breathe something wrong on somebody, they can be offended by it. Um, or people, you know, this could be a, a crazy one, you know, or one that can be common, but I don't know anyone to share my faith with. Mm-hmm. I don't have all all the people that I know are Christians mm-hmm. and, and that, and that could be an issue too. Um, um, but yeah, so those are some of the struggles and lies about evangelism. I think that some of us can even deal with or, or people just maybe don't like to talk to people that they don't know, hmm. you know, and I don't know if you've ever struggled with any of those. Um, but some, th- some of those things I struggle with too. I don't know if you have any thoughts about those. I struggle wholeheartedly with every one of them. Yeah. And I, there's this, 
I think we should just call a spade a spade right here at the beginning yeah. and say, just because I'm a resident and I'm going to be a pastor does not exempt me at all from these things. I mean, mm-hmm. I I feel very insecure at times sharing mm-hmm. my faith. I feel very nervous. In fact, just the other day, Josh, just so just so everybody knows that I'm not trying to be something that I'm not, I was sitting in a Panera mm-hmm. and I overheard a conversation. It was a couple on their first date and they began to talk about creation and how it was crazy to think that creation could On their have, first date. On wow. their first they date. They took it there. They took, it there. They, they, they took it there. I mean, she even said, she's like, are you religious? Well, so hold on, let me back up. So they're talking about creation. They're talking about how that's crazy. They're talking about how scientifically that's impossible. Um, and she she said, uh, crazy. I, I had I literally had just come from speaking at chapel at Worthington Christian School, and then she said, I used to go to Worthington Christian School, and when they took us to a creation museum on a field trip, I said, I'm out of here. This is stupid. Hmm. And uh, and then she said, Are you religious? And he said, No, I'm an agnostic. And he said, Are you religious? And she said, Yes, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I thought, Man, I. Number one, that guy needs to know that that uh, who Jesus is. Number two, she needs to know that she needs to know who Jesus is too, because she may think she's a Christian, but she's not buying into everything God's saying. And yeah. that's hard. And I, I sat there and wavered back and forth. How do I introduce myself? How do I in- inject myself in the conversation without being rude? Mm. And I failed, Josh. I just yeah. I. I look back and I regret not saying anything. I, I Maybe it was nerves. Maybe it was I didn't know where to start. But mm-hmm. I just need everybody that's listening to this should know. Yeah, we don't, we don't have it all figured we out. We don't have anything figured out. I mean, yeah. we, we are so in the game with people who feel insecure and hesitant. I'm there. Yeah. As I was preparing for, for this podcast, I'm like, man, I'm going to be basically preaching to myself in this moment. You know, like talking to myself because like these are all great reminders mm-hmm. that we constantly need to be aware of. And, and that's why I love our topic about how evangelism is not an optional thing. It's not an accessory that we can mm. choose to either bring with us for the day or not, like we like what type of watch we're going to wear. But um, so, but anyway, um, so we've been reading this book as, as, as a group, um, as group leaders. Um, what have you been um, thinking as you read this book? What has this book taught you or reminded you of when facing some of these struggles with evangelism, you know, so what are your thoughts on this book so far? You know, when I read this book, the, the overwhelming thought I had, especially at the beginning was, man, I used to be more excited about this. Hmm. And I remember as a second grader, my dad every once in a while would say, Hey, Joel, if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, what would you do? And I had an answer. I mean, I had a plan I told my dad, I'm going to go find the person at Jacobs Field. Hmm. And for those of you that love the Cleveland Indians from the (laughs) 1990s, man, you know Jacobs Field. I'm going to find the person at Jacobs Field, whoever has the microphone, and at the very end of the game, I'm going to share the gospel because there's at least 43,000 people. That's when they were selling out. And I thought, I'm going to tell them. And then, I mean, I was so audacious. I thought, what if we could gather all the money in the world from every Christian we could build this huge radio system mm-hmm. that would go to every village in every country. We would spend, you know, months, years setting this radio station up with speakers. Mm-hmm. And then I would get to share the gospel one time. Everybody would hear it. Everybody <laughs> would have a chance. 
And I don't think like that anymore. Yeah. And I think that's closer. I know it's crazy, but I think that's closer to where I should be than where I am. Mm. If I read, if I read the Bible. Yeah. So it made me just, it inspired me to go, I mean, I, gosh, I, recently I've been, I've been filling out some paperwork for some licensure. I'm getting assessed to just kind of confirm God's calling on our lives to go plant this church. And so many of the questions involve who are non-Christians you're sharing your faith with, who mm-hmm. are, one of them said, who's a non-Christian we can call? Oh, wow. And I thought, man, um, there's not as many as I wish there were. I, yeah. I just, I want to be like I was when I was in second grade when I literally shared Christ with every person in my class. Yeah. Because I just had the faith of a child and I, I believed the Bible. And maybe as I got older, I cared more what people think and it just gets harder. And yeah. pe- we should we should just be honest and say that, that it just gets harder. Yeah. So that's what it really reminded me of and kind of inspired me to uh it inspired me to think a lot about this yeah i man i as i was reading the book um that's all good stuff i i just um the biggest part that came out for me is just how jesus when he um because i sometimes feel a burden when i share my faith like i feel like i have to share it to everybody like right now Mm. um but just how you know, Jesus focused on the 12, on his 12 disciples yeah, that's and, good. and how he um, demonstrated everyday life with him, hmm. you know, with them, you know, and, you know, because I think people, when, when they want to learn something new, they're not looking for like a lecture. They're looking for more about, you know, like if this is truly what you believe, you know, how are you demonstrating it in your life? And, yeah. and in every moment that Jesus lived, he brought his disciples with him and demonstrated rather than educated. And he and he knew that the the truth that he was going to display was going to speak for itself in each individual in a, in a different way, but it was still truth, hmm. and, um, and it found them right where they were at, and um, and that's just been the biggest thing for me as a group leader of just like, you know, how am I demonstrating? How am I not only sharing my faith but demonstrating it in a way to my group so that you know they feel inspired or they feel like they can do it too hmm. or um, or they're learning. Um, and that doesn't mean, oh, look at me, I'm perfect, you know, but just, you know, we live an example um, for everybody, you know, and um, that, and that was just a big thing that, that jumped out to me. Because um, I think it's just something, like I said, that we just, it doesn't come naturally. Um, so do you have any other, any other thoughts or any other things? From, I, I just think, the- I just think that's really good insight. If, yeah. if you look at, the most evangelistic, apostolic go-getters who built the church, they are the 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. And it's because they hung around with Jesus for three years. And I'm sure Jesus had a lot to say, mm-hmm. but I'll bet you that they picked up on what he did even more. Yeah. And uh, that's a good word, Josh. It's good I insight. Think, I think the... And the last thing I said before I asked the next question, but I think sometimes we, you know, people feel like, oh, I have to know everything or I have to be equipped to do everything. But in, in chapter three, the, the consecration um, chapter in the book um, was all about like how Jesus, after he selected his disciples and, you know, 
became associated with him. He was he wanted to get them ready. And and I just loved what the book said in that Jesus expected the men he was with to obey him. They were not required to be smart, but they just had to be loyal. Hmm. And he never let anyone become a leader who would not be able to follow one. And I just think that that's so great, like so great to see is that like Jesus just wants us to follow him first and obey him and love him first. And through that, we'll know what to do in the Mm -hmm. moment. We'll know what to do when we like when we're in the Panera, like you said, we'll know what to do Mm -hmm. um, when we run into somebody at Jacob's Field. Like, um, and I think because um, I think and he even brought it up in the book, why the contemporary church is so frustrated in its witness to the world is because I think our model and our methodology right now is let's invite people to church and let our pastor yeah. share the faith to people. Mm-hmm. Let, let's let our pastor and our attractional model and the things that mm-hmm. happen on stage be what they hear rather because we don't necessarily feel like we're worthy enough to do right. it or we're nervous or right. or whatnot. So That's good. With, so with with the with this uh, book, you know, as you read it, you know, you, you kind of already touched on it, but what are there any other struggles that you have faced with sharing your faith in in regards to this book or mm-hmm. what you've seen? You mentioned earlier, Josh, the common excuses that we have. We all have these. Uh, I'm not equipped. I don't want to come off as judgmental. I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. What if they ask me a hard question? I don't want to put our relationship, friendship on the line too soon. Mm-hmm. There's all those kind of things that we think through. And I think that those are genuine, they're valid. But I think there's another question that we all should ask even more than those. This mm-hmm. is a question that you should be able to answer. The question is simply Am I bold? Yeah. Am am I bold? Am I am I courageous? Am I bold? Do I love these people? And then I as I think about that, Josh, I think when's the last time I woke up and I prayed for boldness? Hmm. I I I said, "God, would you please help me to be bold today? Would you give me an opportunity to share my faith with someone I know or someone I don't?" would you help me to be bold? And I can't say that I've done that recently at all. Certainly not the day that I was in Panera with that that couple. And I, I began, as I thought through that, I began, what if everybody in Movement Church, everybody who's in a group, what if we all began to pray, God, give me boldness today. Mm. Give me courage today. And I just, you know, I read Matthew 7, And it says, you know, Jesus is talking to some regular dads. He says, if your kids ask you for bread, do you give them a stone? (laughs) You know, and he says, no, you love your kids and you guys are human dads. Just think about how much God loves you. And I try to think of a a prayer request that God would be more eager to answer than that one. And I can't think of one. If we all just said, God, give me boldness would our lives just come alive with opportunities to share our faith and would we be so bold to do it? So yeah. I, I just was thinking about that and was so challenged to just pray more And, and, and if you're praying that, you better be ready. Let's you know, go, because... man. I mean, because it's not as like, do we believe that God answers prayer or not? Yeah. And and I'll tell you what, 
without God, without God's boldness, I'm not very good at it. Yeah. And with his boldness, that could be pretty cool. Yeah. So I have, I have a, a two part response to that. Um, you made me think um, of Mark eight thirty eight hmm. um, because I think the re- the response to uh, or the the uh, the the opposite of boldness could be you know why aren't you bold? Maybe you're not confident, but maybe you're ashamed of what you believe in, or maybe you're um, just you don't want to be that Christian that's forward. And, you know, it says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the son of man will be ashamed of that person mm. when he returns in the glory of his father with the holy angels. And I, and I don't want, I don't want God. I don't want Jesus to be a, the son of man to be ashamed of me because I was ashamed of him because I wasn't willing to stand up for what I believe in. Um, and so that just made me think of that. I don't know why, but um, I think the second part of just like, you know, we don't have to have it all together, but if we if we ask for boldness, we're basically asking for the Holy Spirit to um, lead us. And 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 in this book, um, I love one of the things in chapter four, when it, in the the impartation chapter, um, where it said Jesus was God in revelation, but the Spirit was God in operation. Mm. He was the agent of God actually affecting through men, the eternal plan of salvation. I love that. Jesus was God in revelation, but the spirit was God in operation. So like Jesus came to reveal God's plan and save us from our sins, but then he gave us something better. He actually said for, it was better for me to leave so that you could have the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to, to empower you in my plan, to carry out this plan. And, you know, the spirit was God in operation. And so God has sent his spirit to us too, so that we could be prepared so that Mm. we could have that boldness. And, um, and so all the, all the disciples in, in, in Acts, you see in Acts 1, 8, were, were asked to do, um, all they were asked to do was basically just let the spirit have complete charge of their lives. Mm. And, um, so that they could do what the unthinkables and Mm. and basically start the church and Mm -hmm. build the church in, in powerful ways. Um, so I love that boldness is, is, I think is just really, you know, not being ashamed of the the, the gospel and and allowing the spirit to give you that boldness is, is just a really, um, really good reminder for me, at least. Um, It's good. So um, as you read this and, and, you know, just, you know, even putting three creeks in context here with all this, you know, why is sharing our faith and and even, even in the group context for those who are group leaders, um, why is sharing our faith so important as believers and even group leaders? Well, you definitely hit on this earlier. A sermon's better caught than taught. Mm -hmm. People, you know, I could talk to them blue in the face about how to share your faith, but if I'm not doing it, I cannot expect my, anybody that I'm leading to know how to do it or to do it. I mean, Mm In chapter eight, it said something that that what is kind of you know took you back a little bit. It says mm. a, a barren Christian is a contradiction. Mm. Innate in being a Christian is this desire to tell other people that this is how I became a Christian. When I get a good deal on jeans, mm-hmm. I tell people about yeah. the deal I got on my jeans, Josh. Yeah. When I get a good deal on shoes, yeah. I'm like, guys, you got to go to this website, <laughs> use this coupon code. And I just think my jeans and my shoes, I 
I broadcast to the world the deal that I got, mm-hmm. yet I'm I'm more hesitant to share the eternal deal that I got. So, how why is it so important to share your faith? It's just innate in in who we are, and it's the last thing that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven: "Go and make disciples." And you know, Josh, some some churches would have a model where their groups are very discipleship focused. They are, there's one older leader, there's a number of younger couples, and that group sticks together for many years and they grow. Other groups or other churches would have more of an evangelistic group model where it's invite all, come one, come all. We mm-hmm. multiply a ton. There's not the depth of relationship, but there's a very, this This is the the top of the funnel for getting people in. Yeah. And, and and I would just say this, if a church isn't doing both of those, then it's not a healthy church yeah. in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And movement group leaders specifically, listen to this. If you want to disciple your people, start evangelizing. What could you possibly do that would be more discipling than yeah. evangelizing Preach to it. other people? That's good. They That is discipleship. Say that again. If you can remember what you said. <laughs> I'm just saying discipleship sometimes is let's go get coffee, talk about how we feel. I'll ask you some questions. We'll talk about the Bible. Those yeah. are good. Yeah. But in action, what could be more important than evangelizing and telling people about Jesus? What is more discipling than that? Yeah. And bringing someone along to help you do it yeah. and praying with someone for boldness together. That is authentic, real kingdom change discipleship. Yeah. That, so that's why it's important as a group leader to do it. Yeah. that In that same chapter, that just reminded me um, that when we realize that evangelism is not done by something, but mm. by someone, you know, in the book, he quotes E.M. Uh, e. Bounds. I don't really know who that is, but... E.M. Bounds wrote the second greatest book in the world. What is it? It's called Power Through Prayer. Okay. It's old school. It's All a right. book that you... You like take thirty minutes to digest a sentence. Okay, that's you know what I'm those. saying. Yeah, like a the A-W Bible's the best book, type. and Power Through Prayer by Ian e. Bounds is the second best book on the face of the earth. Yeah, wow. other than Master Plan of Evangelism. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, if you haven't read it yet, read it. <laughs> um, but Ian e. Bounds says men are God's method because I think he he really ends this whole book with the problem with our methodology today, and and I kind of already touched on it, but you know. We have well-intended ceremonies, programs, organizations, commissions, churches, crusades of human ingenuity and, and just trying to um, you bring people to a place where they can hear about the, the Holy Spirit and as an organization or a thing. But he's basically saying evangelism isn't done by something, by an organization or a church in a sense, but by the people, by somebody. Because his nature, and he goes on to say his nature and being... Um, personal is only expressed through personality first revealed in Christ and now expressed through his spirit in our lives. And, Mm. and I think when we do that, when we, when we share our faith, like you said, it it is, it is a personal thing. It is something that comes out of us. And um, just like we connect on a personal level with each person that we come in contact with Mm. or or our Mm -hmm. best friends. Oh, we know our best friends so well. Um, and I think too, for me, I think going back to, you know, the struggles is that, you know, maybe it doesn't come naturally to me or I don't know really what to talk about. Um, and I think, you know, you, 
you, you mentioned jeans, you know, like you're excited about jeans or you're excited about an experience. Like if it's something that you're really all in about or something that you spend a lot of time doing or like mm. whether it's hunting or whatever, you're going to like, that's going to be like something that comes up in conversation at a coffee shop. But if we're not spending time with the Lord, if we're not, mm. if we're not understanding his character, um, it's not going to come up naturally in conversation. It just, yeah. it's just not. Yeah. Um, but man, that's, that's, man, that barren Christian quote that you, that's, that's good stuff. And it's, yeah. It's a sobering thought. Yeah. Well, do you, do you have any other thoughts or, or maybe, you know, as we close, I mean, we could talk about this all day, but sure. um, do you have any other thoughts or just, you know, one or two things that you want to leave with, with our listeners sure. of just, you know, maybe they're still feeling discouraged. Maybe they, they don't know what to do next. Sure. Um, what, what could you say to them? That's a great question, Josh. I, I have a, I have a 10,000 foot view uh, philosophical answer to that question. And I have a very ground level practical answer to that question. Okay. Hit me. The thousand foot view philosophical answer is this. If I could leave you with one thought is it touches on something you mentioned earlier. It's if we're not doing it, who else is? Mm. There's a movie called zero dark 30 and I don't endorse the movie, but I, enjoyed a lot of it it's the story of uh the kind of the hunt for osama bin laden and there's a one scene where they can't find him after all these years and the director of whatever comes in the room and essentially gets these 15 people in the room and just starts screaming at him and Mm. essentially saying who else is going to find him you are the task force there's not another group of people meeting anywhere trying to find him. We are the team. Hmm. Let's go get him. It's on us. It's not on anybody else. And hmm. I just remember thinking, wow, what a, good. to be in that room, like, oh my goodness, you're right. There's nobody else doing this. It has to be us. And I think we're the church. Who else is going to do this? And, the, and, yeah. and then we go even within the church. Well, the pastor's trained. He should do it. Yeah. We should bring him to church. In fact, maybe I'll bring my pastor in for a lunch Bible study at my work or something. Yeah. And and that's just not how this is supposed to go. Because I've talked to pastors and I say, are you evangelizing? And they say, no, I train my people to do that. Hmm. So if the pastor's saying the people should do it and the people are saying the pastor should do it, who's doing this? Wow. And we we've just got to own this and go, there's not another task force out there sharing their faith and telling people about Jesus, we cannot rely on other people to do this. We've got to own it. So that's philosophical from 10,000 foot view. Um, that's that's so good. Practical so practical is this, Josh. And and I, I have to remind myself this because clearly I failed, you know, five days ago at Worthington Christian at Panera or whatever. But here are a couple, here are th- three tips on actually engaging someone in conversation. The first is literally to ask them the question, hey, tell me your story and don't word it any other way. Just literally say, tell me your story. You might get a one one minute answer and you might get a 45 minute answer. Mm. That is the, everybody loves to talk about themselves. What is your story? The second thing that you could ask, if, if at any point they say, oh, I'm a Mormon or I'm a Jehovah's Witness or I'm Catholic or I'm agnostic or whatever, a great question to ask is, you know, I'm not super informed about your faith. Could you tell me about it? Yeah. 
Let them share what they already believe. And then you will probably get to respond with what you believe. Yeah. If they sense that you're interested in them, they'll be interested in you. Yep. And the third one is, I'm fairly convinced, about 99%, (laughs) that nobody believes anything that they're told. Hmm. They believe what they come up with in their own minds. Therefore, the greatest evangelists are great question askers. Hmm. So as opposed to saying, you're such a sinner, you've done some bad things. Yeah. Asking the question, have you ever done anything wrong? That that allows people to self-discover their need for a savior. If you just go out in the street and say, everybody here is going to hell if they don't need Jesus, that doesn't work. We all know that. But to go and ask people intentional questions and say, Yeah, that's good. Just help them with great questions to self-discover their need for Jesus. That is where you're going to start seeing some fruit. There's a quote, Josh, listen to this. There's a quote that says, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Hmm. And I would say that that is similar to saying, make a phone call and when necessary, use a phone. (laughs) I mean, the, the quote is cute and catchy, but it's not real. At some point, you've got to go, this is what Jesus did. You've got to use words and be bold and say, this is what Jesus has done for me. It Mm -hmm. starts with cookies, right? It starts with taking cookies to your neighbor, but it doesn't stop with taking cookies to your neighbor. Because at some point you got to go, can I tell you what Jesus did for me? And I know that that's risky, but that's why we got to get up and we got to pray for boldness because we can't do it without the Lord's help. Wow. Well, that's good stuff, Joel. And, um, Stuff that we can be praying about and, and really, um, I don't know, I just, I get really pumped up with um, talking about this stuff and, and hopefully listeners online, you do too. And, and you know that we're, we're all in this together. Um, but, um, you know, I'll just leave it, leave it with this verse. It's a verse that's so common. Um, and then it's Acts 1.8. And we've been talking about this a lot in this ser- current series. Um Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, you know, the the philosophical part that you were talking about, you know, I think, you know, who's going to do it? You know, you know, well, it's the pastor's job or no, the pastor's training the people to do it. And, and, you know, because, you know, people bring them to the pastor because they think they don't know how to do it or whatever, you know, but like the power of the Holy Spirit is in us and we can't discredit that. We can't forget mm. the power that the Holy Spirit has in our lives to direct us and, and use us. So let's just, let's just go out there guys and, and, and just be bold and to be actively seeking him and understanding his character so that it becomes more natural and mm. evident in our lives. So it, listeners online, if you guys are wanting to know more about this or have any more questions, don't hesitate to email me at joshhoward at movementcolumbus.com. And I also typed up a, a Cliff Notes version uh, of this book and just kind of some key points from each chapter. And if that's something that you would like, email me and I'll I'll send that to you. And if you're like, man, I really want this book. Um, where can I get it or whatnot? I'll buy it for you. Um, I really think that this book is great apart from the Bible, obviously. Um, I really think that this book is something that could really help you and your walk with the Lord and sharing your faith and discipling others. So if you want this book, email me and I'll, and I'll, I'll send it to you. 
Um, I love Amazon. It's just, mm. You'll get it in two days. So um, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Joel, for being here today. Uh, really appreciate your, your insight and your heart behind this God behind this and what God is doing. And, um, and we're just, I'm just excited about what God has in store for 2017. Me too. Thanks for having me. Yep. And the first thing we ought to do right now is this thing ends you and I in this room and everybody listening, just stop, close your eyes and pray for boldness and the Lord help me. Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next month.